WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It's Monday, May 1st. Look at that, May already. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. More clouds than sun today, but no rain, so that's good. High six. Tonight overnight could see a pop-up shower, low 49. And then Tuesday morning showers, high 55. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it's 47 and cloudy in Suffern. That's in Rockland County. 46 and cloudy in Alamuchi, New Jersey. And it's 49 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. It was a weekend of rain. I mean, everything felt like it was washed out. But we started it here with uh, opening up the ballpark out on... Uh, Staten Island for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. That was a lot of fun. There was a lot of people there. Fun to see the team on the field. Great weekend there. Then I got up Saturday morning and it was just pouring. And uh, one of my closest friends, Leora, was getting married to her longtime boyfriend, Omar. The kind of an interesting relationship. She's from Israel. He's from Morocco. Very international. And as we were driving to the vineyard, and I wish I could remember where it was because it was a beautiful place in New Jersey. We said, this is going to be awful because it was an outdoor wedding. And you saw what it was like. It was a deluge of rain. And we said, okay, well, we'll just be getting wet. And uh, what was amazing is we pulled the drive there was just miserable. I mean, it was the I couldn't have the windshield wipers on fast enough. That's how hard the rain was coming down. And then when we pulled into the parking lot of this vineyard where where the uh, wedding was taking place, it stopped raining and it was really spectacular. And the wedding was one of the most joyous weddings I've been to really maybe in my life. It was really beautiful. And then it was over at four o'clock and we got back into the car. I kid you not. It started raining again. It was almost like God was looking out for this couple. And then it was just a deluge yesterday. Uh, the Greek Independence Day parade uh, took place, but people were really wet, but they celebrated anyway. So uh, we're going to get into it. It's been a mess on the roadways and everything else. Let's get into the headlines at 502. Top five at five. Some of your neighbors have lakes in their basements. There were more problems at that lower Manhattan garage. An 18-year-old running in a school board race on Long Island. Lots of people trading in their guns in Brooklyn. And a Manhattan building says goodbye to a beloved doorman. All right, let's get into it. 5.03 before the end of the washout. New York City here in Central Park recording more than five inches of rain over the weekend. So, yeah, as you were getting pounded in your house and are out on the streets, it was a lot of rain. It was relentless. And so was the traffic on so many highways across the tri-state, whether it was the Bronx River Parkway, whether it was out on Long Island, the Cross Island Parkway. Everywhere you went, people were getting stuck because there was just lakes took over highways. Bronx River shut down. Uh, Spring shut down. Uh, I didn't take 287 because I figured the traffic would be nasty. Hutchinson shut down. Yes, Sawmill Parkway was having problems too. Torrential downpour was all over the place in uh, Connecticut. 
And when I got to the Hutchinson, that was it. I got stuck there for about two hours. So I was I'm I have to get to Fred, Fredericksburg. Yeah, I don't know if he made it there or not. Yesterday there was just lines of traffic. You're waiting some places hours to get through those, you know, lakes that are taking up two lanes of a three lane highway. Uh and then it was just flooding in home. Some places where it normally floods. In Brooklyn, residents Burge, uh, Bergen Beach spent most of last night trying to salvage their basements as sewage crept into their homes. Within 10 minutes, it was just buckets pouring, and it went on for about two hours. Today was horrible. It's like an Irene, to be honest with you. All the, you know, the sewage, it got back up and now everything come out like the water from like the bathtub and then the water from the water meter everything just the water just splatter all come out that's it yeah it was bad this was between east 72nd street uh, avenue t avenue u where they're mopping up the mess there in the bronx it was a wall that collapsed uh, crumbling concrete debris crashing into a building on valentine avenue fordham heights i had an explosion very very bad and i in the room but i go to the bathroom when I come back to the, to to my to my room, everything is broken. That my the walls, my room, they they broken the door, and I don't have no. I don't know where I go to sleep tonight. Yeah, I guess this is all because of the rain. Uh, so Red Cross helping out those people there in Yonkers. Same sort of thing. Uh, drivers stuck. People bailing out their basements. It's been pretty crazy, mostly for like the past just during today. Um, I live over here uh, by the Salmon River Parkway, and the parkway is completely flooded out. Um, the top of the bridge is completely flooded out. You've got people abandoning their cars. you got people reversing down the wrong side of the highway, going the back way. they got the parkway blocked off. And then this crazy scene in Edgewater, New Jersey yesterday. There's this thing called the Edgewater Tunnel. It's featured in Weird New Jersey, which is recommends weird places to visit in New Jersey. And these two boys decided to go into that tunnel yesterday. And you might guess what happened. I went to the entrance of the tunnel, and we checked it out, and we saw that we had... A lot of water. It was these are the firefighters, by the way, who went in to save these boys who got stuck amid the floodwaters. At least three feet from what we could see. So myself and Lieutenant Jacobson put on the uh, water rescue suits. And as soon as we went in, we got about 15 feet in, and we the water was up to our necks already. Yeah, so the boys, they had jumped up onto a pipe when they realized that they were stuck. That was above the floodwaters. Thankfully, these firefighters were able to get to them. They said they were walking in, and they started seeing some water. And then they said all of a sudden they just couldn't go either way and they just they had they were stuck yeah so they pulled them out on that raft thank god for those firefighters and they were sitting on a pipe that runs the whole length of the uh the tunnel so they were sitting there and they were just trying to stay out of the water right away we asked them how long they were there they said they'd been there for about two hours they were saying yeah i bet they were sorry they went in and then there was a dramatic rescue also this is um uh, canoe brook which is in north jersey as well these two kids got stuck in the water flow there into a canal. Uh, they were taken downstream about 200 feet, uh, but they were okay. We just saw some ambulances and um, fire trucks in the back of the, uh, the Mason building across the street. Yeah, so they were hanging onto a fence that they grabbed onto and uh, firefighters got to them and they're okay. So just wild no matter where you went across the tri-state all weekend long. Crazy weekend, Joe, but uh, stay with me for one second because um, your Devils, unfortunately, they lost on Saturday night. But everybody lives for a Game 7, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think, right? Yeah, no, it's going to be great tonight. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, it's home. That's an advantage to the Devils. But, you know, the Rangers have just all that playoff experience. My guys don't. My guys are just a bunch of young kids. And 
you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens tonight. It, it, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't expect much tonight from my guys, but really? we'll see. Okay. Yep. Well, so, uh, here was the devil's fan talking to, uh, I thought this was oh, funny, no. uh, talking to News 12 after Saturday night's game. And I love this thought of a fan because I think this way as well. A little disappointed, but to be honest, I feel like we wanted to take it home at game seven. In our home arena at the Rock. Well, yeah. It's always been the Devils. So let's go Devils! Yeah, so I love that thought of like, well, okay, we lost on purpose game six because we want to yeah. win at home in front of our fans game well, seven. Well, with all due respect, sir, you're an idiot. You, the <laughs> team, that's not what, you know. That's not, that's not, the team's not saying, oh, let's lose tonight. We'll go right. play at home and win it there. No, that's yeah. not what happens. But, but, you know, you think that way because you go crazy for your team. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, they yeah. wanted to lose so they could win in front of the fans. Sorry. So you're not, no. you're not hopeful tonight. That's what I'm not, like. uh, I'm, I have no expectations tonight. Then that way, if they win, I'll be delighted. But I, I just, no expectations. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe. 511, right. residents scratching their heads after several manholes exploded in Crown Heights. Let's get the latest on that now live from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. Yes, that's right. This happened late Sunday morning along Empire Boulevard. Neighbors got quite a shock as the force from the explosion suddenly shot several manhole covers nearly 10 feet in the air. One man, Joel, who spoke to ABC7, said it was so intense that it shattered the front window of his apartment. You ever heard fireworks? Like, really? Just think they're in your face. This would not have ended well for me if I was just hanging around here. Anna Duran, another resident, was about to get inside her vehicle when another manhole exploded right underneath her car. Listen to what she had to say. And she told me, Anna, don't go. Don't go to the car. I said, yes, why? She said, no, because that's a lot of smoke. And then when I turned it back, that's when my car exploded. Did not... For my customer, you know, I can die inside to my car. Luckily, neither Duran nor any of the residents in the area were injured, but they were all told to evacuate for several hours because of an increase in the level of carbon monoxide. And I started to get dizzy and lightheaded in the house. Um, and that's when they came in and started to measure the levels in the basement and said it was pretty high. That's neighborhood resident Mark Bonnet. As of right now, there's no word on what caused the explosion. Yeah, that's crazy. So this was, what, middle of the day? Do we know? Yeah, this was just middle of the morning, Sunday morning, and residents just all of a sudden heard uh, several loud explosions that shot, or I guess it might have been just one big one that shot all the manhole covers along Empire Boulevard up all at once. You, you know, the force of an explosion to move a manhole cover, that's pretty serious. Yeah, that's got to that's gotta be some power underneath yeah. there. Yeah. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. 513, um, the race for the White House. Of course, it's never too early, I guess. But uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, he was one of the many speaking out over the weekend saying he thinks that President Biden could win easily uh, in 2024. He says age is not a big factor. Of course, Bernie Sanders, an old guy himself. We believe in a government that represents all, not just the few. Take on the greed of the insurance companies, the drug companies, Wall Street, all the big money interest, and start delivering for working class people. So the Vermont Independent, he's a year older than Biden, downplaying the concerns that Biden would be 86 at the end of a second term if he were to win one. Experience, your record that you have established, what does the candidate stand for? Which side are they on? 
Chair of the Republican National Committee says party candidates who want to run for the White House need to address abortion issues head on 2024. Democrats spent $360 million on this, and many of our candidates across the board refused to talk about it, thinking, oh, we can just talk about the economy and ignore this big issue, and they can't. That's RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel says Republicans' performance in the midterms fell below expectations because she says many candidates refused to talk about abortion. Abortion was a big issue in key states like Michigan and Pennsylvania. And so the guidance we're going to give to our candidates is you have to address this head on. The uh, civil trial uh, involving former President Trump, that's set to resume this morning. Writer E. Jean Carroll testified last week in a New York courtroom saying that Trump raped her in a Manhattan department store dressing room back in the 90s. She was cross-examined by Trump's lawyer who grilled her about why she didn't scream during the alleged assault. Trump's attorney suggests the 79-year-old came forward after over 20 years in order to sell more copies of her 2019 memoir. It's still unclear whether Trump will appear in court. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Say good morning. Happy Monday to Justin Alec. Well, good morning. Happy Monday to you, Noam Layden. And it wasn't quite the start. The Knicks were looking for in their Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Miami Heat, losing 108 to 101 in the opener yesterday at the Garden. 25 and 26, respectively, from Brunson and Barrett were not enough to slow down Jimmy Butler's 25 that led a red hot Heat squad to the game one road win. Jalen Brunson spoke following the game on what separated Miami from the Knicks on the floor. They finished the third quarter strong, finished half time, finished the second quarter strong. Um, they had key moments in the game where, you know, we need to finish strong and be strong. And um, uh, that starts with me. I didn't, you know, I got to be better. And, um, We'll go from there. New York was without star forward Julius Randle, who they hope to get back from that spring left ankle in time for game two. Come tomorrow night at the Garden on the Diamond in Arlington. The Yankees dropped their third straight to the Texas Rangers, getting walloped in the series finale by a score of 15-2. Nestor Cortez barely had any time to settle in before first in Grand Slam off the bat of Josh Jung put the Yankees in a hole. They were ultimately never able to climb out of Cortez. Ended up toughing out four and two-thirds on the bump, while the offense in large part took the day off in failing to muster up any sustained rallies. Now at 15 and 14 overall and eight and a half games back of the first place race, the Bombers currently share last place in the East with the Red Sox. Not necessarily the ideal start to the season that Yankees fans were expecting. New York will try and right the ship at home in the Bronx where they'll welcome in the Cleveland Guardians tonight at 7.05 p.m. for game one of a three-game set. Domingo Herman will get the ball going up against Cleveland's Cal Quantrill. As for the Mets, due to their postponement yesterday, they'll indulge in a double uh, double header today to finish out their series with the Atlanta Braves. First pitch for game one is set for 1.10 p.m. Eastern time this afternoon with Denis Reyes getting a start against Atlanta's Spencer Strider. Tyler McGill will take the hill in game two against Atlanta's Charlie Morton. And, of course, tonight, big game seven Rangers at Devils in Newark, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Puck drop for all the marbles. Moving on into the next round, hopefully for the blue shirts and um, to the dismay of the great Joseph Nolan. Here with sports on 77 WABC, I'm Justin Alec. We're just getting started on this Monday morning. A Supreme Court justice believes he knows who leaked that bombshell abortion draft ruling. We'll get into that as the morning wears on. A U.S. Navy ship has arrived in Port Sudan to help evacuate more Americans there. And uh, the car thefts across the city continue to climb. But the NYPD has a way to keep your car from being stolen. We'll get into that as well. But first at 520, a check of wall. 
Wall Street. Here's Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Stocks wrapped up April trading on a high note. The Dow Jones Industrials up 272 points. The index closing out its largest monthly gain since January. The S&P up 34. The Nasdaq up 84. The major indexes all posting monthly gains. Amazon shares down nearly 4%. Investors pulling back after Amazon's cloud revenue outlook. Intel leading chip gains today. The stock up 4% after earnings. Micron Technology up 3%. NVIDIA up nearly 2%. First Public bank shares plunging another 43%. The Fed working on a rescue plan for the bank. Today's inflation data fueling interest rate hike speculation. The index up 0.3% in line with expectations. Crude oil climbing late in the session. West Texas Intermediate crude up 2%, settling at $76 a barrel. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report for WABC Radio. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. Everybody is describing themselves as an alternative to Donald Trump in 2024. Form one of them is former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson branding himself as that alternative yesterday. Economic message of restraining federal spending with being able not to be an isolationist party, but one that can support both the American people, but also our friends overseas. Hutchinson also criticizing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who likely is going to jump into the race. Limited government, which is a strong national defense, uh, evolving the party to meet the challenges of today. And today's the economy. It's not the role of government to punish a business when you disagree with what they're saying or a position that they take. I think he's talking about the battle with Disney and Ron DeSantis there. Uh, yeah, Vivek uh, Ramswamy says he will not let Trump get in the way. He will uh, not skip the Republican debate. If you want someone sitting across the table from Xi Jinping, if you want someone with the spine to take on the administrative state, you better darn well not be scared to show up on a debate stage. Yeah, uh, he's saying that Trump should be at that debate. The first one's Milwaukee this summer. The 37-year-old businessman says he considers himself a Washington outsider. I guess they kind of all do, right? Donald Trump did a great job of that in 2015. I'm the outsider in this race. Okay. A bill that would allow Ron DeSantis to remain governor of Florida while also running for president uh, passed through the state legislature in Florida last week. And now it goes to DeSantis's desk for his signature. I wonder what he'll do. On Friday, the GOP-controlled Florida House passed the bill on a party-line vote of 76 to 34. Previously, the state's election law said anyone running for an office must step down from the position they hold when they are officially a candidate. If DeSantis signs the bill, it will create an exception for officials running for president or vice president. DeSantis is widely speculated to enter the race for the 2024 Republican nomination. I'm Jim Forbes. Yeah, the thought is that he's going to do that mid-May. Uh, Senator Chris Coons, he's a Delaware senator. He was speaking out yesterday. He says Vice President Harris doesn't get enough credit for the hard work she does. The vice president's ready to run and ready to be president should that ever happen. I know our president has great confidence in her, and so do I. WABC News Time 524. A Supreme Court justice believes he knows who leaked the bombshell abortion draft ruling. 
Last year, Politico published a leaked draft of a Supreme Court opinion on a case that eventually led to Roe v. Wade being overturned. Months later, the Supreme Court said an internal investigation could not ID the leaker. In a Wall Street Journal interview out Friday, Justice Samuel Alito said he has a pretty good idea who's responsible, but the evidence is not enough for a public accusation. I'm Julie Ryan. Hmm, Very curious, right? 524, the head of Homeland Security says our hemisphere is experiencing its greatest migration since World War II. The president on day one delivered a solution. He delivered immigration reform legislation that we had hoped Congress would act on swiftly. They haven't. That's Alejandro Mayorkas, says the Biden administration trying to work through what he says is a broken immigration system by building lawful pathways and eliminating ruthless smugglers. Mayorkas discussing the expiration of Title 42 that's going to happen on May 12th, which he said the Biden administration tried to end a long time ago. Cut out the ruthless smugglers, deliver lawful pathways so people can access humanitarian relief without having to take the dangerous journey. If an individual is removed, they will encounter an at least five-year bar on readmission to the United States. And a Texas congressman says the situation's only going to get worse at the border crossings when Title 42 expires May 12. This is honestly the fourth time that we've seen this Title 42 is going to end. And every time we come to this uh, situation before the crisis is this uptick in illegal immigration. And we're seeing that now. Republican Tony Gonzalez there says the surge in illegal immigration is already overwhelming, not only at border towns, but even in cities more than 100 miles away. Gonzalez says border agents exhausted, don't have the resources that they need. Places 100, 150 miles from the border are just as overwhelmed as if they were on the Rio Grande themselves. The numbers are getting worse. The agents are beyond an exhausting point. And in Texas, activists calling on lawmakers to do more to stop what they see as a security problem with all these migrants crossing the border. You've got women and children being sold into sexual slavery. And so the goal is to bring attention to it and to put pressure on the legislature and the governor to repel the invasion. That's Mark uh, Mecker. He's heads a group called Convention of States. They're holding a rally this weekend. Uh, they, I should say they held a rally this weekend in Austin. It supports a controversial bill that would allow ordinary citizens to work border enforcement just to help out those border agents who we've heard are overwhelmed. It's like a Band-Aid on a bleeding hemorrhage. It's not enough. There's a lot more that the governor and the legislature could do. 526, FBI Special Agent James Smith says the reward for information leading to the arrest of the gunmen in that mass shooting in Texas over the weekend has increased now. The FBI is also offering an additional $25,000 for the apprehension of this subject. So it brings a total amount to $80,000. If you weren't paying attention, five people shot to death, execution style, Friday night at a home in the town of Cleveland. That's a little north of Houston. The gunman who lived next door to the victims is uh, still on the loose. More than 250 law enforcement officers involved in the search, along with aerial drones, police dogs. We identified it. We acted quickly to remove that photo. And now we're 100% confident we have the right photo out there. It's well over 200, and more officers from other agencies are coming in to help us find this suspect. It is my number one priority to find him, as it is everybody 
that's out here looking for him. Yeah, so far, though, still on the loose this morning. An 18-year-old now in the running in a school board race out on Long Island. We will meet him before the morning is out. Lots of people trading in their guns in Brooklyn over the weekend for cash and cash cards. And a Manhattan building says goodbye to a beloved doorman. We'll get into those stories and more before 6 o'clock. But first, let's do this at 5.30. 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. WABC News Time 532. Good morning. It's Monday, May 1st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. More clouds than sun today. High 60. Tonight overnight could see a pop-up shower. Low 49. Tuesday morning showers. High 55. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 47 and cloudy up in Suffern in Rockland County. 46 and cloudy in Alamuchi, and that's in New Jersey, and 49 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the city. New York City ended April with most crime numbers down, but grand larceny auto or vehicle theft is up 13% citywide compared to the same time last year with no more than 4,500 vehicles reported stolen. And so now the city's come up with at least one way to take care of your vehicle or maybe be able to track it down once it is stolen. This year alone, we have 966 Hondas and Kias taken. Yeah, that's 4,500, I guess, over the year to year, just the 900 since January, which is a lot. The biggest increases in the Bronx, 24% over this time last year. That's why uh, Mayor Adams and top police officials were in the Bronx yesterday, and they were suggesting that car owners get an air tag. Um, it costs about 30 bucks. It works with your iPhone. It's just a small little device that nobody would recognize you put in your car. And if it's stolen, you can track where that car goes to. So can the police, for that matter. Your phone be alerted. You know someone's in your car is not supposed to end or stolen. You call 911 as fast as you can. You tell the officers involved they have an air tag, and they immediately, with our apprehension, citywide apprehension apparatus, will start putting that tag citywide. It's a simple idea, but it's an innovative one, and we really believe in trying things to see how they work. Yes, yeah, so the Nonprofit Association for a Better New York, they're donating 500 of these. They'll be given out free citywide with details to come on the NYPD's Twitter account. But the aggravating number of Grand Larceny Auto continues to drive up uh, our crime in the city. And it, give, it gives the false sense that we're not moving in the right directions when we are. That's the mayor there yesterday speaking out. The NYPD blaming TikTok in part for driving the increase in thefts of Kias and Hyundais because there are videos out there that instruct thieves how easily they are to steal. So they're hoping these air tags might bring down some of those numbers. 535 now. Let's go out to Long Island. Firefighters making a disturbing discovery while putting out a garage fire at a vacant house. This is in Nassau County. Firefighters responding to Abermall Avenue in Hempstead about 6 o'clock Saturday night. They put out the blaze pretty quickly. After the flames were extinguished, firefighters found a man's body. The victim pronounced dead at the scene. It is a vacant property, so uh, 
we had a neighbor state that he um, saw the fire and called the fire into us. A homicide arson bomb squad detectives investigating. Officials did not release the identity of that man uh, who was found and what he may have died from. An NYP detective uh, shot over 30 years ago has died of his injuries. Troy Patterson was just 27 years old in 1990 when he was attacked while washing his car off-duty in Bed-Stuy. Three males approached him and demanded cash. He refused. A then 15-year-old boy shot Patterson in the head. The three suspects were later arrested. Patterson never regained consciousness due to his injuries, leaving him in a vegetative state until his death on Saturday. His family and the NYPD paid tribute to Patterson with a vigil held every year on the anniversary of the shooting, and he was ceremonially promoted to detective in 2016. I'm Chris Caraggio. 536. People in Brooklyn getting a chance to trade their guns in for cash all weekend. It was part of a statewide gun buyback event organized by New York Attorney General Letitia James. The state collected firearms, nine different locations, no questions asked, and exchanged them for prepaid gift cards. The All Saints Roman Catholic Church in Brooklyn was one of the host sites. There's a lot of firepower on this table today, um, and each and every one of these guns is a, a potential life save, a non-fatal shooting avoided. The officials say they received 90 guns in just three hours at that All Saints Roman Catholic site. The Brooklyn DA especially pleased by the number of smaller guns that were turned in. He says they're easier to conceal, so they're more commonly used to commit crimes. Assault rifles or ghost guns got you a $500 gift card over the weekend. WABC News Time 539. Let's go to that garage in Lower Manhattan that collapsed, um, well, it's more than a week ago now. The uh, Department of Buildings dispatching teams to conduct sweeps of parking facilities across the city in hopes of preventing another collapse like the one on April 18th. In the 10 days since that shocking scene, inspectors completed reviews of 78 parking structures across the city. Of those 17, which were managed, by the way, by the same company behind the Ann Street building, uh, had these Class 1 violations open, uh, four sites were told that they had to close down. Uh, this woman has her parked uh, car parked in one of the garages that was told it needs to stop taking cars. That bothers me because I know the people who work here and care about them. And then there was more rumbling at the Ann Street garage over the weekend. Uh, a little more of it imploded. It's not a good scene down there. This woman heard the implosion. She lives nearby, thought it was thunder, and then was told later, no, it was the parking garage. Yes, I heard it. It was 2.30 in the morning. I was up in my living room, and I heard what sounded like thunder, and it was raining, so it wasn't unreasonable. And this morning, we look at it, and it's like literally that whole the whole back part of the building collapsed. Yeah, uh, cars were still being pulled out of that garage as of last week. Not sure what's going to happen this morning. 541. One city lawmaker wants income to get factored into how much New Yorkers pay for tickets. Listen to this idea and see what you think. Brooklyn Councilman Justin Brandon wants a sliding scale that would allow low-income New Yorkers to pay less than high-income New Yorkers when they get tickets. It's kind of hard. I say it should just be fair across the board because how would you know if the person is rich or poor when you're giving the ticket, right? That's a tricky one in the city, especially with now these parking lanes in the middle of the avenues. 
So other than double parking, Brandon's bill doesn't specify which categories would be included. A so-called day fine structure was once tested out in Staten Island and found an increase in collection rates. While the system is very common in Europe, uh, there's nothing like that full time that we could find in the U.S. would be a sliding scale based on your salary if you got a ticket. Think if somebody's going to abide by the law, they're going to pay the fine, whatever. That's me. That would be me. Probably not. Same. I don't, I think if you're not going to pay it, it doesn't matter if you make a dollar or a million. You're not going to pay it if you're apt to not pay a fine. Now the New Yorkers say there's got to be a better way. Got to get some more parking lots <laughs> that are free because that's why you double park and you don't want to pay for the parking. So. Where are you going to put the parking spaces? How about fewer cars coming into the city? 542. Uh, while we're talking about city council members, New York City council members now say they're working better to serve the newly arriving migrants. Lawmakers like Gail Brewer using a hearing to voice her concerns over how difficult it is for new arrivals to obtain a New York City identity card, noting the lack of appointments at offices across the city. This is something that should be so basic. There's so many other issues that these amazing families have. The least the New York City can do is offer an ID. Yeah, she says they have to work harder to get them uh, more acclimated to living in the big city. When they enroll is 10 to 14 business days. Okay, so it's just getting the appointment that we seem to have big problems with. At times, yes. Yeah, I come from a district that we can't get appointments either. They're like months and months away. People just give up. 543, a Georgia man allegedly tried to get a gun through security at Newark. Listen to this guy did. TSA officials say the 38 caliber gun was loaded, I mean, with six bullets and its owner said he had forgot he was carrying it with him. Uh, officials say it holds up uh, the entire line when uh, they take this guy through the security. It shows up, uh, you know, right away when they have uh, it goes on to the conveyor belt and through those cameras. And um, it was the fifth gun caught at Newark Airport so far this year. The second gun just last week to be discovered at the airport at an airport in the tri-state. So good job done by the TSA security guards. But that somebody else or somebody was trying to carry a 38 caliber gun that was loaded with six bullets is awfully frightening. Let's bring it back here into the city. Uh, we were telling you about this god-awful story out of Brooklyn on Friday. This 48-year-old mom, her two young daughters, killed in a Brooklyn fire over the weekend. Now fire officials saying that it was something going on in the kitchen. Maybe somebody was cooking or forgot to put out a flame. And that's what started this blaze. Third floor that took the lives of an 8- and 10-year-old uh, kids and that 48-year-old mom. There was heavy smoke and fire on arrival so even though it's under investigation what that may mean is the fire was going for some time we were here in three minutes um, but the nature of the injuries and and of the conditions when the firefighters arrived was uh very advanced yeah firefighters got there as quick as they could they pulled this family out the mom the two daughters rushed them to woodhull hospital unfortunately that's where they passed away 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Noam Alladen. Not quite the start uh, Knicks were looking for in their Eastern Conference semifinal series against the Miami Heat, losing 108 to 101 in the opener yesterday at the Garden. 25 and 26, respectively, from Brunson and Barrett were not enough to slow down Jimmy Butler's 25 that led a red hot Heat squad to the game one road win. Jalen Brunson spoke following the game on what separated Miami from the Knicks on the floor. 
they finished the third quarter strong. Finished half time. Finished the second quarter strong. Um, yeah, key moments in the game where you know we need to finish strong, be strong, and um, uh, that starts with me. I didn't, you know, I gotta be better, and um, we'll go from there. New York was without star forward Julius Randle, who they hope to get back from that sprained left ankle in time for Game 2 come tomorrow night at the Garden on the Diamond in Arlington. The Yankees dropped their third straight to the Texas Rangers, getting walloped in the series finale by a score of 15-2. to Mr. Cortez barely had any time to settle in before a first-inning grand slam off the bat of Josh Jung put the Yankees in a hole. They were ultimately never able to climb out of. Cortez ended up toughing out four and two-thirds on the bump while the offense in large part took the day off and failing to muster up any sustained rallies. Now at 15 and 14 overall and eight games back of the first place raise, the Bombers currently share last place in the East with the Red Sox. Well, not quite the start Yankees fans were expecting this season. New York will try and right the ship at home in the Bronx where they're welcome in the Cleveland Guardians tonight at 7.05 p.m. for game one of a three-game set. Domingo Herman will get the ball going up against Cleveland's Cal Quantrill. As for the Mets, due to the postponement yesterday, they'll indulge in a double header today to finish out their series with the Atlanta Braves. First pitch for game one is set for 110 uh, this afternoon with Denny Reyes getting the start against Atlanta's Spencer Strider. Tyler McGill will take the hill in game two against Atlanta's Charlie Morton. And the main attraction this evening out in Newark, Rangers and Devils game seven. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, a puck drop for all. The Marvel see who moves on into the second round. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. Sunday's downpours, they were relentless. The uh, Bronx River Parkway, rest, uh, Westchester Roadways, uh, the Cross Island Parkway, all of them flooding. And as you heard from Joe, um, some of them still hard to get around. People were having a rough time last night. Bronx River shut down. Uh, Spring shut down. Uh, I didn't take 287 because I figured the traffic would be nasty. Hutchinson shut down. Yeah, it just took hours to get where you wanted to go yesterday. Torrential downpour was all over the place in uh, Connecticut. And when I got to the Hutchinson, that was it. I got stuck there for about two hours. So I was I'm I have to get to Fred, Fredericksburg. Yeah, sounds miserable in Brooklyn in Bergen Beach. You had homeowners there. It does flood there a lot. This is a flood zone, but it was worse than it usually is. Sewage backing up, going into people's home. They were trying to all clean it up last night. Within ten minutes, it was just buckets pouring, and it went on for about two hours. Today was horrible. It's like an Irene, to be honest with you. All the you know the sewage, it got back up and now everything come out like the water from like the bathtub and then the water from the water meter everything just the water just spotty all come out that's it up in the bronx a retaining wall collapsed uh, you can understand all this is happening with so much rain coming down a uh, five ground four units in this building which is on valentine avenue up in fordham heights were flooded i had an explosion very very bad and i in the room but i go to the bathroom and when i come back to the to, to my to my room everything is broken that my the walls my room they they broken the door and i don't have no i don't know where i go to sleep tonight yeah, uh, thankfully, nobody hurt there. But, yeah, all those people pushed out of their homes. Uh, out in New Jersey, in Edgewater, two boys rescued after being stuck for hours inside a tunnel in Edgewater. The Edgewater Tunnel, it's actually featured in Weird New Jersey, which recommends weird places to go visit in New Jersey. So these kids, they picked, unfortunately, the wrong day to go visit this tunnel. Firefighters had to go in and get them. I went to the entrance of the tunnel, and we checked it out, and we saw that we had a lot of water. It was at least three feet from what we could see. 
So myself and Lieutenant Jacobson put on the uh, water rescue suits, and as soon as we went in, we got about 15 feet in, and we the water was up to our necks already. Yeah, those kids, uh, lucky that those firefighters found them so quickly. They said they were walking in, and they started seeing some water, and then they said all of a sudden they just couldn't go either way. And they just, they had, they were stuck. Yeah, firefighters thankfully got to those boys. They're okay. They were sitting on a pipe that runs the whole length of the the tunnel. So they were sitting there and they were just trying to stay out of the water. Right away we asked them how long they were there. They said they'd been there for about two hours, they were saying. Yeah, wrong day to go searching inside those tunnels. Thankfully, everybody okay. Good job done by those Edgewater firefighters. 552. He's not even out of school yet, but 18-year-old Quinn Bedell Entering the race for the West Islip School Board, that's out on Long Island, he's hoping, he says, his unique perspective will give students a more powerful voice. He spoke to News 12. I want to be a new voice. i definitely like to see the uh, students have more of an impact on what goes on in the Board of Ed and uh, go back towards relating back towards what's best for the kids because at the end of the day, that's what's all about. So you might not be surprised to hear that this is a kid who's involved in a lot of He's running for school board at 18. He's a an Eagle Scott. Uh, he owns a landscaping business with 65 clients. I think the most I was doing at that age is maybe delivering a couple of newspapers, the Trenton Times, if I remember right. Uh, I feel like if I was up there, maybe it would uh, promote other kids to start uh, talking more and coming to more board meetings. I feel like it's important because that's... Uh, if we don't say something, then how do we know it's going to change? Yeah, good for him for getting involved. The election there in West Islip is May 16th. He's a write-in candidate, which is always difficult, but he hopes getting his name out there like here on 77 WABC will help him win election. While we're talking about kids, the Garden State Plaza in Paramus over the weekend initiating this new program that if you're under 18 – on the weekends, on weekend nights, you have to go to the mall with a kid, uh, rather with a kid, with an adult. You have to have a chaperone. This is because apparently kids were just getting way too rowdy at that mall, which is one of the biggest malls in the nation. And, you know, you can imagine kids not too happy about this. They don't want to be hanging out with mom and dad on a Friday or Saturday night. We find like Saturday nights, it's like very overwhelming, like very intimidating. There's just a lot of groups. Yeah. And so uh, they imposed this. Uh, 5 p.m. on Friday was the first night they did this. They did it again Friday night on uh, Saturday night at 5 p.m. And uh, if they found kids who were under the age of 18 walking around the mall by themselves, uh, they asked them to leave. That's a tall order because it's also not realistic and probably unenforceable. Yeah, no, they said it was enforceable in place. There was an area in the mall they they designated as a pickup area where uh, parents would come and they have to pick up their kids if security told those kids to leave because they were there without that chaperone 555 happy update on long island for a guy who took to the crossroads of the world to search for his kidney he had a electronic billboard in times square that was paid for by a group that helps people find kidneys it was a humongous ad that was up in december of 2020 uh, it was a picture of great neck resident mark weiner with the caption my name is mark i need the kidney you can help and here he was back in 2020 talking about that being on dialysis isn't easy and juggling a full-time job and a family i want to be healthier 
here. And the way to do that is to find a kidney donor. That was Weiner talking to CBS at the time. He works for CBS. He was diagnosed with cancer 2015, lost both his kidneys. He's cancer-free now, and he just got a kidney. And uh, he's pretty excited about it, as you might guess. Also spoke to CBS. I'm feeling fabulous. Uh, definitely a different feeling inside. Um, the kidney really adjusts the body in ways that I never thought. Uh, less fatigue, a little more stamina, uh, some swelling in certain areas, but nonetheless feeling tremendous gratitude and joy. Yeah, just recently had the transplant. Of course, if you want to help out kidneyregistry.org. Uh, you can find out a lot more about that right there on that website. And finally, after six decades of hellos and a long-time doorman on the Upper East Side saying goodbye on Friday, Manny Teixeira, that was his last day at his building, 120 East 90th Street, spent the day reflecting on his 61 years of service as the doorman at this building. He emigrated here with his dad from Brazil in 1955. His dad was in charge of the building, and uh, then he took over as doorman. My father told me when we arrived that many, you have to work. Out. This is a great country. My wife has been bothering me for the last 10 years to retire. Yeah, so he said, okay, finally he's going to retire. Lots of people in the building, sorry to see him go. People walk by here who don't live here, and everyone's greeting him, and he greets them back, and they know him by name. Yeah, so at 83 years old, the beloved doorman uh, closed the door, but he says he's opening up another. And, of course, like any wife, she's got a lot for him to do at home. At point in time in your life that you have to believe that, you know, enough is enough. My wife already... It's getting me a list of things that I should do around the house. Right. You know, and on top of that, I'll be walking a lot. Yeah, now I know why he worked until he was 83 years old.